0: What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday! Welcome into one hundred Through The fans' coffee break. Will Peterson, Rachel Veal, hanging out with you for the next thirty minutes. There's a lot to talk about, Will. But first of all, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Rachel. Uh, I'm wearing my Nuggets. Uh, my Nuggets pullover nice. today. Haven't busted this out since the uh, playoff run when we were doing post game shows. Only five, you know, sort of sad post game shows. <laughs> but it is scheduled release day, so I figured it was time to uh, bust out some Nuggets gear once again.
0: I like it. We're going to get into Nuggets a little bit later on, but we need to talk about what happened yesterday with the Broncos cutting five players to get down to that 85 mark. Max Borgie, Caden Davis, Travis Fulgram, Jamar Johnson, Rodney Williams all getting released yesterday afternoon. Did any of these come in as a surprise to you, Will?
1: Uh, Maybe not a surprise, but obviously there's a headliner on there, and it's the one everyone in Denver Uh, paid attention to. And that is Max Borgie, the the former Pomona star, makes it 13 days with the Broncos after making it five days with the Colts. And remember, he got cut in Indianapolis for Philip Lindsay, the former Denver South star, and obviously uh, two great seasons with the Broncos. So a little bit of full circle for for Borgie on the Denver stuff there in a bad way, and then he comes here, and Rachel, you'll remember, he goes on the weekend show with John Davis and Nate Jackson down live at training camp that Saturday and, and had some pretty interesting thoughts. And listen, we're never going to criticize athletes for honesty, right? That's that's what you and I need. We're in this profession. But he went on 104.3 The Fan and talked about how disrespected he felt and how he thinks he, he projects to be just as good as Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler, obviously two Colorado guys who are – very established NFL running backs. And then he makes it 13 days and it was a bummer for him because let's be honest, they signed Jaquan Hardy and Stevie Scott after they signed Borgie and then they kept Hardy and Scott and they got rid of Borgie yesterday. They still have five running backs on the roster. So they didn't think he was one of their best five, obviously Williams and Gordon and most likely Mike Boone locked in and then Hardy and Scott. But Wow. For Max Borgie to not even get a second preseason game in Buffalo uh, to show what he can do, that of the five was the one that that really jumped out to me.
0: Yeah, that was interesting to me, too, because he looked really good throughout camp. I mean, on his first day out there, he caught, like, the longest pass that we saw at training camp. So. There were highlights, there were good sparks for him, but it's almost one of those things where maybe we paid attention to it more because of his local affiliation here going to Pomona. But yeah, he gets cut to, um, I will say that I'm not totally shocked because I think some of the other ty- or running backs are also going to be released but that's just because, to be honest, they have a lot of depth kind of at running back now with Williams, with Gordon, with Boone. Like, those are all solid players that we are probably going to see quite a few minutes from this entire season.
1: Yeah, and you'll probably keep Andrew Beck, who's like the hi- the hybrid tight end fullback. Yep. But will you carry four running backs? I don't think so. I think you'll probably carry three, and either Jaquan Hardy or Stevie Scott is going to have to go absolutely crazy uh, in the next two preseason games for the Broncos to hang on to them. Practice squad, of course, always a, a possibility. So let's be honest. Max Borgie had an uphill climb all yeah. along. But, again, for him to not even get a second preseason game is a bummer. And then the other one on that list, Rachel, Caden Davis, he was the first one out of camp every single day. Uh, this isn't Little League. Apparently the coaches don't notice that or care. He gets cut. And then Jamar Johnson – led the Broncos in tackles against the Cowboys in preseason week one. He had seven tackles. I was on with Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar last night, and we got to the point in our conversation of discussing, you know, does preseason matter a little or does it matter none at all? And I'm starting to lean more towards it matters none at all because Jamar Johnson was a fifth-round pick out of Indiana last year, so he's a George Payton pick, not a John Elway pick. He goes into week one, leads them in tackles with seven, makes all the plays on the field, And he's still one of their first five cuts. So what more could he have done against the Cowboys to have saved his job? It it does sort of feel like the front office and the coaching staff maybe have their minds made up about who they're going to cut. And and the preseason really just doesn't matter for for 90% of the guys. There may be three or four roster spots up for grabs, and that really is it.
0: No, so that's actually a really good point in a conversation I've kind of had with myself too of how much do they actually care about preseason games? Because it does seem one, the joint practices I think kind of ruin it. I'm not going to lie, I know I understand it because you can control it more. You're doing more drill type stuff, less of a game atmosphere. But at the same time, like people wanna see their starters out there, right? And to be able to see what they would do in a game. And I know you're not wanting to do it for health and safety stuff but you're still going up against each other for the joint practices. So I feel like those kind of ruin preseason too, but I totally agree with you that I think coaching staff, they already know who they like, and they're kind of just looking for maybe like one or two things that you can really critique and be like, all right, we're moving on. It's like it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah. It's a brutal business. Like, can you imagine if, if you and I, if someone said, Hey, you're going to do 50 coffee breaks and by coffee break two, they had made up their mind whether they were going to keep you or or boot you. Like you'd be like, well, that's unfair. I, I got forty eight more coffee breaks, and, and I had a great one. And Jamar Johnson again, seven tackles Saturday night, and and he couldn't. You know, I said Borgie couldn't get a second preseason game. Why couldn't Jamar Johnson get a second preseason game? Because yeah. they had to cut someone, and they had already made their mind up about him. So it's actually got to be discouraging for the guys that are left. Because say, I don't know, Travis Fulgham, right? He, he, or, or he got cut. Excuse me, Jalen Virgil. Say Jalen Virgil, who's, who stood out in, in week one against the – or preseason week one against the Cowboys. Say he goes up to Buffalo and has five catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. On paper, we're thinking, wow, Jalen Virgil may have just made the Broncos. Mm-hmm. But what if the coaching staff says, nah, we like Seth Williams and Kendall Hinton and Brandon Johnson and obviously Judy and Sutton and Hamler better and you can get lost. Like, is there anything he can do against the Bills on Saturday to change the coaching staff's mind? That's got to be a pretty tough mental mindset going into a game where you're thinking you're competing for your job.
0: No, absolutely. Um, And then Rodney Williams, too, he got, what, 20K signing bonus and, like, $110,000 out of um, the Broncos. So that also came as a surprise to see his name get cut.
1: Yeah, those undrafted free agents, I mean, if you're going to – if you're going to give them those signing bonuses, uh, first of all, you like them. You, you consider drafting them in the sixth or seventh round. And second of all, they have a real chance to make your roster. Rachel, we know the Broncos have the history of, of letting the most undrafted free agents on the team. And, and let's Chris Harris was one of them, key part of the Super Bowl 50 team. Tim Patrick was one of them. Uh, obviously, their best wide receiver the last couple of years who just tore his ACL a couple of weeks ago. So when you give him 110 grand, which... To the rest of the team, not a lot of money. To you and I and everyone watching, a ton of money. Uh, You expect him to be around until at least the very last cut, so him to be in the first first five, also a surprise.
0: Okay, well, one of the things we love about having a live show is that we get to live to react to some stuff, so I'm actually going to invite our very own Jake Shapiro in because he just let us know about Christian McCaffrey getting in a little bit of a interesting scuffle, but also coming out injured. So I know this obviously isn't Broncos related, but obviously a name we're very familiar with here in Denver. So let's see, Jake, if you want to come on in, I would love for you to kind of explain what just happened. Cause I'm assuming you may have, one either saw a video or two. You saw the news kind of come in.
2: Yeah, Rachel. Well, uh, the news is just coming in right now. Christian was not hurt in this. There was a fan that was injured. Uh, there was a scuffle at Patriots Panthers joint Practice in which um some th- somebody said something to McCaffrey and tackled McCaffrey, Dietrich Wise Jr., who I've not heard of, a uh, football player for the Patriots, and McCaffrey and him got in a scuffle that landed the both of them on a fan out of bounds, and that woman suffered a swollen foot, nothing more, treated by Patriots Medical. Uh, Wise reached out and apologized McCaffrey shook her hand and the Patriots offered her tickets to a game so this all just happened within the last like half hour Um, and uh, it just goes to show you what happens with these fights which we saw last week at Broncos Cowboys get into the fans a little bit get in and roll into the stands and you know training camp we always talk about it being such a close up environment well it was really close this time.
0: Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Well, and speaking of those joint practices, that obviously Will and I were talking about, right. I feel like, again, it kind of goes back to it ruins the preseason a little bit, but you're seeing the intensity on these practices and not actually out on the game. So Jake appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out with us for a quick second and giving us that update, but yikes out um, in Carolina, it's a little tough.
1: Yeah. We'll see if any discipline comes from it. Um, You know, I know the league doesn't like fights, but they happen everywhere across every training camp. You see a video almost every day uh, from some sort of scuffle. But when fans start to get hurt, then you're facing, you know, some sort of litigation potentially, uh, either the team or the NFL. If this woman lawyers up, there may be some discipline coming for the players involved.
0: Yeah, no kidding. We also need to talk about a Hall of Famer who should be in the Hall of Fame, but will not be making it to the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame this year in Randy Gratishar. This is a shocking story when you actually think about it, Willie, because he was not named a finalist. But truthfully, he should be in there, and it comes back to this kind of East Coast bias that everybody talks about. And it's it's just kind of mind-blowing that here we are having this conversation when I for sure thought Randy was going to get in this year.
1: Yeah, it, it's such a shame, Rachel. Listen, I'm not going to pretend like I watch Randy Gregory play, but I have I, heard the stories. I've seen the highlights. I've examined the stats and, and this is a joke. I mean, the Broncos orange crush defense, which really established their identity in the NFL. It wasn't John Elway. It was the orange crush. John Elway came after the orange crush that really put the Broncos on the map across the country. And that unit, that defense does not have a single hall of famer uh, represented in Canton, Ohio, And what did you know, Uh, another Dallas Cowboy got in, another New York Giant got in. Mm -hmm. If Randy Gregory had played in Pittsburgh or Chicago or Green Bay or Dallas, he would have been in the Hall of Fame decades ago. It is a sham that he is not in. And and most people this time yesterday thought it was a slam dunk, thought it was finally Randy's time. And and yeah, and it, it, it goes to show you that With the Broncos in the Hall of Fame, we can never assume slam dunk unless you're literally talking about John Elway or Peyton Manning because everyone else, it seems, has to wait. Our guy Steve Atwater had to wait longer than he should have, and it was so emotional when he finally got in. Um, Obviously, you know, Champ Bailey uh, did not have to wait. You and and I both know that, so I should throw him in there with John and Peyton. But the majority of Broncos Mm -hmm. sweat this thing out. And Randy Gradishar is now 70 years old. Uh, looked that up yesterday. He was born in 1952. Andrew Mason had some great quotes from him down at training camp uh, just last week, where he said, "I feel like this is finally, finally the year." And I've, I've been waiting 30 years. I mean, think about—he's been waiting. Literally, he retired, I believe, in like '82 or '83. So he, he's been waiting since the late '80s, early '90s. Once his eligibility kicked in, um, that's a long time to put a person through this. Year by year, is this going to be the year's struggle? And then for Randy to to even admit last week, hey, I feel good about this, and then to get the crushing blow that it didn't happen, um, it's just a it's a crappy situation all around. And I really I, I feel obviously bad for Broncos fans and the Broncos and and everyone who's bummed about this. I really feel bad for Randy Gratisha.
0: No, me too. It's such a bummer. And when you lay it out like you just did well, it kind of even hurt you a little bit more in your heart for how long he's been having to wait. So hopefully next year can be the year. Uh, again, a huge blow. Yeah, fingers crossed. For but him. I feel
1: like Nathan McKinnon. Like, we're always talking about next year. You know, maybe know. next year will be the year. I feel like all we do is talk about next year. now. Okay. For Nathan McKinnon, next year was finally the year. So maybe for Randy Gratishar, it will be. But it kind of does feel like McKinnon is post-game press conference right now in Vegas. And I haven't won bleep, and all we do is talk about next year. Randy Gratishar's got to wake up this morning feeling like all we do is talk about next year.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Well, we need to talk about Drew Locke, too, because in a span of three hours, things drastically changed for Drew Locke yesterday. And my goodness, is it something? Okay, so at 317, Drew Locke QB won today at Seahawks camp. We'll move on over a little over an hour to 407. Drew Locke still leading the Seahawks number one offense was just picked picked by Tyreek Woolen. Locke was rolling right and tried to throw into traffic back towards the field's numbers. Good snags by Woolen. All right, 456. Pete Carroll comes out and says, Geno Smith's still the number one guy and he's holding on to this spot. But says Drew Locke deserves this chance to be the Seahawks starting QB this week. This has been the plan all along. Smith started at Pittsburgh. Locke starting versus Chicago on Thursday. Then comes 6.19 p.m. Seahawks quarterback Drew Locke has tested positive for COVID-19 and will miss Thursday's game versus the Chicago Bears on ESPN. Will, Drew Locke, man, you got to feel for the guy.
1: Uh, I mean, what, what a roller coaster of a three-hour stretch yesterday. You did a nice job right there laying out everything that happened. I was constantly updating our story at denverfan.com because let's be honest, we're not tracking Drew Locke as much as we're tracking who the Broncos are going to face in, in week one. Is it going to be Gina, Geno Smith or Drew Locke? And the game's going to be juicy regardless. But if it is Drew Locke, it gets even, even juicier. You know, it, it gets ramped up even more, Drew versus his old Denver defense. And, and yesterday's ride was just like you said, it was so typical drew lock like just when things are looking doing and this boop, they fall off a cliff like it just it's so uh i don't know if heartbreaking is the right word because there's a lot of people in this country that are going through things that are heartbreaking but it is such a bummer for drew like it finally finally is coming together he plays pretty darn well in pittsburgh throws for two touchdowns in their opener pete carroll gives him the reps with the ones he's got to start against chicago yeah you can say this was the plan all along but clearly he was trending in the right direction to, to win this Seattle QB job and then boom, hit with COVID. And and Rachel combine that with his shenanigans in 2020 with yep. the COVID tracers, with Blake Bortles and Jeff Driscoll and the Broncos having to trot out Kendall Hinton because they tried to beat the system. Like Drew Locke and COVID just don't get along. This ain't going real well for him.
0: It is just so like, it's what you expect when you hear Drew Locke's name. And I, I truthfully feel bad for him. One because a couple weeks ago, a month ago or so, what, he was getting dragged through the mud for literally no reason at all. Like, he was a meme on um, social media. But here we go. Again, we're all like, this could actually be it. Maybe Drew Locke is going to make his move and, you know, possibly be that guy. Nope, psych, you're not even going to get to play because now you're in COVID protocols. It's just a bummer for the guy. I, I truthfully feel so bad for him. Um, you know, hopefully after he gets out of COVID protocols, he could maybe prove something else. Maybe even possibly in game three, and who knows what can happen for Drew Locke. But we're always we're looking to see who the Broncos are gonna be playing week one when they go to Seattle, when Russ returns to Seattle. So we'll we'll keep everybody updated, Deborah I can't help but laugh. I, I feel bad that I'm sitting here laughing, but it's just it's just so Drew Locke. But we'll move on yeah, to the I nuggets.
1: Mean, Rachel. Honestly, like yesterday morning I would have said it's 80-20 they face Geno Smith. Yep. And then yesterday afternoon I would have said this looks more like 50-50. Mm-hmm. And, and then the COVID diagnosis comes out, it's back to, to, I don't know, 80-20, 90-10. Like I'm more convinced than ever it's going to be Geno Smith because, like you said, they only have one preseason game left after this, and that's kind of the worthless one for the Seahawks. It's Friday, August 26th at the Cowboys. Actually, ironically enough, with with all the Broncos' history with the Cowboys, but, I mean, even if he gets to start that night, what would he possibly have to do to, to get to start week one I would have thought Drew had a chance yesterday, and then again, with the positive test, I think more and more likely it will be Russell Wilson versus Geno Smith in week one.
0: Yep, that's going to be an exciting day. I'm already counting it down, but today, the NBA schedule release comes out. We'll figure out who the Nuggets are going to be playing on opening night, 1 p.m. Mountain Time here. I'm excited for this schedule release to come out, so if you had to take a guess, Will, who are the Nuggets playing on opening night
1: Well, Jake Shapiro did chime in a a couple minutes ago and let us know that Mike Singer of the Denver Post is reporting the Nuggets will open on the road. So um, that doesn't narrow against who, but it does narrow the buzzkill factor of, hey, we don't get to see Jamal Murray finally return after 18 months at Ball Arena in game number one. So Mm -hmm. that's a little bit of a buzzkill. It also, to me, means they're probably not getting, like, a late-night primetime game, you know, which you would have hoped. Like, we've seen some of the leaks of the – the opening night and the, the Nuggets aren't a part of them. Um, and obviously, Nicole Jokic still has to get his MVP award. They got knocked out of the playoffs before that was presented as well. So why in the world aren't they opening at home? I guess as we talk through this, you you, you know, the Murray thing is is nice. But the yeah, the big story is Jokic, MVP. He should be getting his trophy game one and he should be doing it, frankly, on ESPN or TNT or and he's not. So, Rachel, I am just taking a wild shot in the dark and going to go full buzzkill here. The Nuggets will open in Charlotte against the Hornets at 5 p.m. on Altitude in a game that none of us can see.
0: Ugh, oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah, you want to be would the most Nuggets what?
1: thing ever, though. Like, yeah, yeah we're just going to send you out east from the jump. You're going to start at 5 o'clock. And, by the way, your games aren't carried locally.
0: <laughs> Gosh, well... Just makes you want to slap your face. What 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 are are we doing? Give us
1: something a little more, little more, I don't know, has a little more pizzazz to it, a little more excitement.
0: I don't I honestly don't know. I want to say something like I don't know. Like the Lakers or something. Like
1: But like I feel like that would have been leaked. Like if it was sexy, we'd know it by now, right?
0: Okay, but I have a question. Are the Lakers still a sexy team?
1: Uh yes. Yes, because they are the LA Lakers and they have LeBron James. So as long as they got that jersey on the front of their logo and James on the on the back, they are still a sexy draw. That Rachel, they play 82 games. They're going to get 20, 25 on national TV, and the Nuggets will get like eight. So that tells you all you need to know about that.
0: I see from the history standpoint of saying that the Lakers are still a sexy team, but I feel like this actual team, I'm just like. Eh. And he's I'm not trying, trying to be, be disrespectful to LeBron, but I just feel like its he's no longer that player that can completely turn an entire franchise around. Like, I may be one of the only people that will ever say that, but I just feel like he's getting older, right? Like, they've struggled in the past couple of years. Like, he hasn't been that person to just be that one individual that can lead this team to a championship. He's still amazing. Don't get me wrong. He's still an amazing basketball player but it's just not, I mean, even Jokic. Okay. Let's look at Jokic. The Nuggets would have been horrible if Nikola Jokic wasn't on their team last year. Like they would have been absolutely trash. The Lakers didn't make the playoffs last year. And I know there was injuries and yada, yada, yada. And again, I'm not taking anything away from LeBron. I just don't feel like that sexy appeal is there as much anymore. And I can see your little smirk. Well, cause you're like, Rachel, where are you going with this? But I just, I feel like that's, the truth and I get the history of the Lakers trust me I do but I just feel like this exact team just not there as much
1: here's the thing though when Michael Jordan played for the Wizards and I'm not saying LeBron James is at his point at that point in his career yet they were still much must-see TV because it was still Michael Jordan like like it's still LeBron James So even if he's not the same player that he was in his prime Mm -hmm. every game of professional basketball he plays the rest of his life there are still going to be people that are interested. And, and that's, that's you know, not, not saying your points aren't valid, but mm-hmm. that's how the TV network's going to look at it. That's how the execs are going to look at it. That we're at the twilight of LeBron's career, and we're going to put as many games of his as possible on the big stage because mm-hmm. he's arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, and we just don't know how many games he has left, and he will suit it up. So we'll see. By the way, Jake pointed out Lakers yeah. Warriors opening night. So
0: so you're right, Will. They are still sexy if they're going to play the champs.
1: <laughs> but it, and it, it rules out, like, again, we're, we're, this is why I'm picking the Nuggets to open in Charlotte at 5 p.m. in a game that I'm going to have to illegally stream because it's just what, – what else? Like, like, wouldn't it be so Nuggets that, that they just don't get a good game?
0: No, 100%, 100%. Well, we'll figure out 1 o'clock. We're going to see that schedule release come out. But Jamal Murray is practicing in Melbourne, Australia. And boy, oh boy, is he looking good. He posted this to his Instagram account, you guys. I'm getting so excited to see Jamal Murray back out on the court. He's looking fresh. And he did say to some Australian media that he's going to play a little bit in the preseason. So I'm liking it. I'm liking what we're going to see out of Jamal Murray.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's exciting, Um, but it's also still pickup. So I don't want to, I don't want to. You're telling me these
0: aren't NBA players that can guard him. Right.
1: Like I don't want to overstate like, Oh, Jamal's gonna, you know, be an all-star this year and and help Jokic win his third straight MVP based on that. Now, could those things happen? Of course they could happen, but I'm not going to be the guy who sees a a blurry Instagram video from halfway across the world and makes grand declarations. I think, I think October and November and even into December are going to be a little bit of a slow start for Jamal. And, and that's not so much his fault as it is he's had 18 months off. Michael Malone is on the record that he's not going to play every game, that he wants to limit his minutes. There's a lot of factors working against Jamal coming out of the gate super quickly. I'm a huge Jamal Murray fan. I'm very excited he's finally going to be back. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not going to watch a video in Australia and, and, and declare Jamal Murray... Uh, 100% ready to go. He's trending in the right direction, though.
0: That makes you excited. That's for sure. I'm getting really excited for this Nugget season to start rolling up. But we do have to tell you all about a wonderful opportunity for your student. Parents, you can register to win a year-long membership at Redline Athletic Centennial for your student. Redline Athletics, brand new, state-of-the-art speed and agility training facilities, the ultimate spot for your student-athlete to take their performance to the next level. Redline Athletics helps build a better student-athlete. You can enter in today to win. Check out DenverFan.com for more information. What a wonderful opportunity. I definitely would recommend. Take your student-athlete to the next level. Who knows what can happen? Yeah, it's very cool.
1: I'm glad we're we're doing that promotion, and I know folks will take advantage of it. So excited to, to see what comes from it.
0: Absolutely. Well, another exciting thing is that we are 25 days away from the Colorado Avalanche starting training camp. And we're 56 days away till the opener against the Chicago Blackhawks. Will I'm so ready for hockey to get back. I'm so excited for training camp. I don't say that very often, but I am pumped up for this. There's so many good things on the horizon this year for Colorado sports. It's hard not to just get like a little antsy about it. I'm, I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, I'm excited too, but I feel like the parade was yesterday, Rachel. <laughs> like, I, know. I, I can't believe it's already starting back up. I got to imagine some of those guys are are still hung over from their, you know, their benders for weeks and weeks. We saw all the videos and obviously the, the party happens again once guys get their day with the cup. By the way, keep an eye on it. Nathan McKinnon's day with the cup is on Saturday. He's sort of the uh, last big name for the Avalanche to get the cup. He's going to have a A parade in Halifax. So we'll, we'll monitor that for sure. But yeah, I mean, 56 days till opening night till they raise the banner at ball arena. And uh, the journey begins all over again. Again, it has come rather quickly. I I can't believe that the off season has been as short as it has, but Rachel, we didn't have an off season. We had a parade and then I was writing free agency articles like 10 days later. Like that's, that's just what happens when you win the championship is the cycle just, just resets that quickly. So I don't know if the Avs will start slow. Um, You know, obviously opening night, they won't start slow. The place will be electric. They'll beat the Blackhawks 7-0. It'll be great. But the first 15, 20 games, could they sort of be working to get their legs back under them? Yes. And will there be hot takes? Yes. And should there be hot takes? No. It does not matter how they come out of the gate in the first 15, 20 games. So I really don't want people to panic um with what they see early from the abs and are you
0: saying that they're gonna you think they're gonna start slow
1: yeah i mean they played hockey till june 26th they partied all summer like this team this team is gonna go through the motions and Mm -hmm. then they're gonna get yelled at by jared bednar and we're gonna hear the the championship was last year not this year and then they're going to go nuclear and turn it on and they're going to be the number 1 seed in the western conference and everyone can calm down. So, yeah, I'm just I'm making a little prediction for the first, I don't know, quarter of the season yep. that maybe they're 12 and 8 after 20 games and we get some some spicy articles about how this isn't the same team as last year and then everything will be fine because other than Nazem Kadri, of course, that core is all still intact.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to get into Nazem Kadri real quick in just a second, but we do need to talk about Jack Johnson and how he is signing with the Chicago Blackhawks. So we will see him opening night. Um, it's going to be a one year, $950,000 contract. Um, Good for Jack Johnson for getting money. I mean, obviously he meant a lot to us here in Denver because he was kind of that veteran, you know, that the guy that got it after um, Gabe Landis. Scott, he's just been around the league for so long, but it's exciting for him. Um gonna miss him he wasn't like a necessary the abs absolutely need to sign him but he's getting his money he's getting his paycheck good for him
1: Uh, and and, you know he's getting a contract like at this point in the game was anyone gonna offer Jack Johnson a deal to play hockey next year free agency's been going on for a month so he's made a lot of money I think the 950 grand he'll take don't get me wrong but I think he's he's just glad he gets another opportunity to to play an NHL season and while he did not mean a ton and he was not in the lineup against the Predators. And he was not in the lineup in the first couple games against the Blues. When Sam Gerard broke his sternum, that was a legitimate concern of what the Avalanche were going to do. And Jack Johnson stepped in and stepped in admirably and played every game the rest of the, the playoffs. Um, so kudos to him. He was the seventh defenseman on the Avalanche. Not a household name, but his kids got baptized in the Stanley Cup. And again, when Gerard uh, went down in a heap and, and broke his, his chest, uh Mm -hmm. Jack Johnson played admirably the rest of the way so applause to you sir golf clap and uh good luck in Chicago
0: Mm -hmm. okay now we even have a question in the comments and it says it's looking like Kadri is an Islander fact or fiction and I cannot believe we are still talking about this Will because it has been so long that we're like where the heck is Nazem Kadri going to go so everything points to him signing with the Islanders I don't know why it hasn't happened yet but I'm going fact, even though it's not actually a fact yet. So let me like preface that that it is not actually official. We do not know yet.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say if we're answering Troy's question, um, you know, spot on at this moment, it is fiction. He has not signed a deal. But if we're answering Troy's question of what's going to happen, which I know you were, yep. then yes, it's a fact. A- every report is pointing that way. Gosh, I don't person... know
0: what's like taking so long.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's still probably a million bucks a season, something like that. Islanders want to give him seven and a half. He wants eight and a half. You know, I, I think that's probably the holdup. I think the verbal is there. The Islanders have the cap room. You know, the initial report said, "Well, they need to clear cap space." Well, if you go and look, they have over eleven million in, in cap, so they actually could do the deal today. But they're they're still bargaining over. You know, to to you and I, it's a million bucks. That's life changing money. To Cadre, it's it percentage wise, it's it's you know, it, it's like the average person asking for a few thousand more at their work. So. Um, it, it, it'll get done. I mean, we've heard this for two weeks, Rachel. It'll be an absolute stunner um, if he goes anywhere else, and it will be like the shocker of all time if he ends up back in Colorado. So a bummer for sure, but I'm kind of just ready for him to sign and, and us to – I love Qadri, and I always will, but I'm sort of ready to stop talking about it.
0: Mm-hmm. How weird will it be, though, opening night against the Blackhawks to not see him out there most likely? Yeah, it'll be I
1: mean. He had the signature moments in the playoffs that we've discussed multiple times, the hat trick in St. Louis, the, the game winner in Tampa Bay in, in game uh, four that none of us knew was in the back of the net. He was awesome. The support he received from the city of Denver after the the racism and the death threats and needing a police escort in St. Louis. Like, I can't believe we're, we're saying that in 2020, 20, 2022, it's insane. So um, I, I will always remember Kadri fondly and I hope, this weird sort of dragged out free agency and and perceived greediness doesn't um, taint anyone's view of him. It shouldn't. He's just trying to get the biggest paycheck he can. All of us would do the same if we were in his position. It's money for his family now, for his grandkids. It's generational money. So I don't think Aztecan should have any ill will towards Kadri. And the Islanders will come here once this year. Uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but they'll be in Denver one time you better believe that is video tribute, standing ovation, all that stuff before that game at Ballerina. An
0: emotional one for Condre for sure. Wherever he goes, we wish him the best of luck. Um, Will, as always, love hanging out with you. Thank you so much for spending the last 30 minutes. And same with everybody watching. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, for dropping stuff in the comments. It means the world to us. We love talking with all of you. And we'll be back tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Bye, everyone.